0: So I really wanted to chat with you all today about how a personal epiphany this last year has intersected with some of my epiphanies related to peace, our community, and how this has given me so much hope for each of us and for our future um, as a church. But let me read the lectionary today. It's actually from the Psalter. It's Psalm 40. It's the first 11 verses Um, And I want you to take notice while I'm reading anytime you hear joyful language. So here we go. I waited patiently for God, who inclined to me and heard my cry. God drew me up from the desolate pit, out of the miry bog, and set my feet upon a rock, making my steps secure. God put a new song in my mouth, a song of praise to our God. Many will see and fear and put their trust in God. Happy are those who make God their trust, who do not turn to the proud or go astray after false gods. You've multiplied, my God, your wondrous deeds and your thoughts toward us. None can compare with you. Were I to proclaim and tell of them, they would be more than can be counted. Sacrifice and offering you do not desire, but you have given me an open ear. Burnt offering and sin offering you have not required. Then I said, here I am. In the scroll of the book, it is written of me. I delight to do your will. O my God, your law is within my heart. I have told the glad news of deliverance in the congregation. See, I have not restrained my lips as you know, O God. I have not hidden your saving help within my heart. I have spoken of your faithfulness and your salvation. I have not concealed your steadfast love and your faithfulness from the great congregation. Do not, O God, withhold your mercy from me. Let your steadfast love and your faithfulness keep me safe forever. We hear the voice of God in these words from the psalmist who believes in a God who protects and blesses and grounds those who follow in God's way, those who commit to consistently embody the way of God throughout their lives. To the psalmist, God provides a foundation for anyone willing to receive the invitation. And it is kind of like receiving an invitation to a party because as we can see, there is joy and gladness and delight, happiness, all words used in this text for the taking here, And I think it's actually pretty amazing um, that this is our lectionary reading for this Sunday because I had already been considering sharing um, this epiphany with you all before I ever read what was in the lectionary. I was sort of going back and forth with it, though, because honestly, (laughs) it's kind of a downer, my epiphany. But when I saw this reading, I resonated because clearly then and now we we need it. We need a sense of stability amidst the chaos of life. We need deeper truths that can comfort us, that we can count on when everything else has gone to shit. We need a spaciousness, which I'm realizing a lot of people, I'm realizing a lot of people haven't really cultivated within themselves an inner spaciousness for um, with plenty of room for joy to spread out and take root and and to set up shop so much so that it just simply becomes a part of our spiritual posture to be people who are, you know, so rooted in divine hope and divine peace and divine love that we have with us at all times, access to happiness when needed, when appropriate. And this is so important because what I've realized And some of you are going to laugh at me because you've been knowing this. But what I realized in a really deep way in 2022 is that most people are unhappy. (laughs) And it's like I knew that a lot of people were unhappy. (laughs) And I'm sure, you know, like I said, many of you already knew this. I knew and know that it's a struggle. Life is just hard. But it hit me in a way this last year where I just realized that it's not just a lot of people like it's it's most people. It's even people who I thought in my own life and my own interactions were happy. Even those people aren't happy. (laughs) And it's realizing, you know, now that we're three years out from 2020, It's looking back and taking stock and realizing just how much we've all been through, how hard it's been, how honestly life was already hard enough, but 2020 just and since really just knocked us down in so many ways. And we're looking around and we're taking stock of the trauma and we're realizing how much suffering we've endured and are enduring. And it just makes it really hard to access things like happiness. And so... Of course, one message here is that joy has become incredibly urgent business, like top priority, very important that we find and grab hold of joy wherever and whenever we can. But also like, what is the deal? <laughs> like what what is this struggle for happiness? Is it possible that we can make at least a few shifts here? within us and in our own lives, can we become you know, better equipped to access joy? I'm talking about a spiritual posture here because that's, that's kind of my lane, right? But I genuinely believe our spiritual postures are very valuable to us to engage and exist in these times. And as a person who works constantly with people and their emotions, nothing quite like the last three years has shown me how ill-equipped many of us are. And no wonder, right, our old faith paradigms have failed us or harmed us in many ways. And we have lost, in a lot of ways, that, that beautiful foundation that the psalmist so beautifully describes about God, God's promises, God's blessings, um, God's <laughs> foundational presence in our life. But see, there's hope here, and that we may be ill-equipped, but that doesn't mean we can't shift. And so, I hope you'll talk about this in a bit when you process in a moment. What are the shifts you can make? Tiny, tiny shifts that could reorient you toward happiness. Not that you must achieve it, but just simply that you're that you're at least facing it. You know, what are those shifts for you? But what I really want to talk about for the rest of this short time is how this personal epiphany and how these personal questions have intersected with some of the epiphanies I've had about us, Peace of Christ Church. Um, My book came out last year, Brown Girls Epiphany, which funny enough was a title I took from this annual preaching series and a sermon I preached several years ago with the same name. But in that book. At one point, I reflect on how for so long, the liminality of my racial identity was something that felt like a weakness, but how it turns out in so many ways, it's been and continues to be my superpower. And that really made me think about us. We're, we're a small community with few resources and so many limitations, and yet I have found our superpowers among our so-called weaknesses and i want to share just a few examples with you briefly but please feel free to share your own in the comments first of all i want to talk about our kids our peace kids first there are so many of them right so many that when we are planning things like watch parties or or new solutions that we want to roll out, we've always got to start with the kids because they are there. They cannot and will not and be ignored, and we don't want to ignore them. So whether it's today at the watch party or in any other scenario, um, you know, in ten years of existing, kids have been our dilemma, <laughs> and yet it is also the embodiment of a vibrant community right in front of our faces, this so-called problem that a lot of churches would consider problem is actually proof, actually evidence of our intergenerational community embodied and the noise we hear in our services, whether at Texas hall or at your watch party, that is actual evidence of healthy theology being passed down in real time and the inclusion of our kids in all of these activities and in um, leading and participating is trauma-informed community being prioritized. We are creating the realities we wanna see at Peace of Christ Church and our kids are a near constant reminder of that, if we're paying attention. Another one of our superpowers is our connection, our fierce commitment connection despite so many barriers it is those very limitations that prompt us to be so creative and innovative as a faith community you know we don't have the money to pay rent every sunday so here we are meeting in homes in some ways having more meaningful connection than we could have had all together bound by rows and, and scripts we don't have a building so we have to create pockets of community through small groups and book clubs and meetups and happy hours and dinners. has made us a community who prioritizes depth rather than one who predominantly specializes in small talk. We are nomads going wherever connection is offered and finding that we are home. And finally, for the sake of time, I'll name one more of our many superpowers our access to divine intimacy. See, the loss of certainty and the shrapnel from deconstruction make this one a doozy, but any divine intimacy each of us experience has been hard, hard fought, and wrenched away from the prescriptions around divine image we may have inherited. And yet at peace, we are resurrection people because we are practicing This kind of resurrection posture, even when we don't have the faith, even when we have all the questions, all the hesitations, we are resurrection people because we are embodying the good health we have sought out, the good image of God we have desired the Christ way as best we can, and we're doing it together. We are resurrection people interested in the stuff of life, meaning we are not reacting people who only ever react to the chaos of domination systems and power structures. We are resurrection people set on thriving, on beauty, on the kingdom work of heaven here and now. Yes, dismantling and burning down may be part of that work, but it is not the foundation we build our homes on here. And because of this, we have greater access to divine intimacy. We have what we need. We still have to do our own work, find our own healing, follow our own intuition, put in our own time, make our own shifts. But we have what we need to orient ourselves toward happiness because we have what we need to experience divine intimacy, the same kind the psalmist experienced and then described in their beautiful understanding of God. And I'm realizing my epiphany is that I have found all of this right here in our community. I have found connection even amidst our supposed limitations. I have found delight and hope simply by being in proximity to the children and the youth in our community. I have found happiness here. I have seen that at the very least, I am postured toward it when I am in the work of this community. And hey... This isn't an answer to it all, is it? But I think that might be part of the unhappiness epidemic, this ongoing grief that we aren't finding the answer. But see, in this sacred community, we have embraced mystery and paradox and non-dualism and so on. And so we are learning with time how to be, how to exist in this world of grief and uncertainty. For me, this is a sacred, wise reminder that I don't need greener grass on the other side. (laughs) I have what I need. And more importantly, I have who I need. And the gratitude I experience when I consider all of this makes me hopeful. It even makes me happy. And I kind of feel like if I keep searching, if I keep following this trail, investing into the work of this community, perhaps there's more. Amen.